Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Nefesh podcast. This is episode 15. If this is your first time, thanks for listening. If you've been listening, thanks for continuing to listen. You know, the, the word Nefesh is the Hebrew word for soul. And in the Jewish understanding of the soul, the soul is the essence of, of you and I as humans. It, it is the entire encompassing, all-encompassing parts of ourselves. We are made up of, of body and emotions and mind and spirit, and we are relational and social creatures. And it is our soul that brings it all together. It is the soul that really encompasses, encompasses all of us. Well, in Greek culture, in Greek philosophy, particularly around the time when uh, the New Testament was written and even prior to, there began to be this, these distinctions between the soul and the, the body. And, and in particular, there was a religious belief system that really came out of uh, uh, or was within the Jewish and Christian circles but de- and also the Greek cultures uh, called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism wants to deny that there is anything good with the body, with the material world. Gnosticism says that the material world, the body is bad, it is sinful, and it is really only the spirit or our soul that matters. And you can see this in the New Testament as some of the New Testament writers really took, took on this religious belief system. They saw it as destructive for a couple of reasons, and the first of which you can see in the Gospel of John that the Apostle John wrote. And he wrote this Gospel a couple of decades after the other Gospels were written. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all written first within a couple of decades of each other. Some maybe, Luke uh, maybe as late as the 80s uh, AD. But John was written a decade or so after that, And it was the final gospel that was included in our canon, our New Testament. The gospel of John is different from the other three. The other three are what we uh, are in the category of or groupings of, of gospels called the synoptic gospels. They are similar to each other and thought to have perhaps a, a common source, but they have similar narratives. They have similar stories. They uh, talk, talk in terms of of parables and um, other types of uh, words and phrases that they all share. Well, John is distinct in that it reflects a more, in some ways, simple and yet in other ways complex. It it almost uh, mirrors a type of philosophy or a type of uh, philosophical writing, and in particular, it starts right away in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then as you go through the chapter, you find out that the Word is Jesus. Well, the Word, Logos, this is how John introduces Jesus to his audience. He's tying it with a, a familiar Greek concept, Logos. And as he goes through his book, instead of talking about parables and, and listing the parables that Jesus uh, described, he, he talks about the I am statements that Jesus used. 
I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. I am that definitive I am statement. He talks about signs instead of miracles. And he has a couple of stories that the other gospel writers didn't have. One in, in particular in John chapter 20, where Thomas, who is the only person in the gospels uh, to identify Jesus's both divinity and his humanity, Thomas says this phrase in John chapter 20, my Lord and my God, this is after Jesus has revealed himself to Thomas after the resurrection. And Thomas is really the kind of the last one of the apostles to see Jesus in the flesh. And Jesus appears to him and all Thomas could say was my Lord and my God, my Lord, my master, my human master, but also my God. He is the only only person in the Gospels, other than the writers themselves and Jesus, to identify Jesus's divinity and his humanity. Throughout the Gospel of John, John is attempting to address and confront this Gnostic ideal, or this Gnostic idea, this, this struggle to accept that Jesus was, in fact, both human and and divine that he was both he took on human flesh but he was god incarnate well some struggled with this for because of this gnostic reason the human body the material flesh the flesh the material world is all bad and so these writers these new testament writers both john and then paul seem to be directly attacking that idea. No, in fact, the body is good. The body was created not just to house the spirit. The body is intricately connected and integral in the whole understanding of the person. The whole of the person is body, mind, and spirit. In 1 Corinthians, Paul, again, similar to John, seems to be addressing this issue. We see this in 1 Corinthians 15, where we're talking, Paul is addressing the idea of the resurrection of Jesus. Some were doubting that Jesus was resurrected in the flesh, in the body. And, you know, I actually wondered about this myself as I studied this passage and and I thought, what really is the importance here? I mean, Jesus is still God. Why? And why does it matter whether he was resurrected as far as, um, why does everything hinge on that? You know, Jesus is God. He came and died for our sins. Like, we all get that. What was, what was the need to have had him resurrect in the body, in, in the human body in which he lived for those 33 years? Why was it so important that he actually... Uh, came to life in that body and was resurrected, reanimated that body, that dead flesh, and brought it back to life. What is the significance of that? Well, the first and, and probably the main and most important reason is that it was proof. Proof that Jesus was who he said he was. Jesus could have come and died on the cross and gone to heaven without having been resurrected, and he would still be God, and he, the, the sacrifice would still have been, been provided. But who would know? 
how would we have known that he was in fact who he said he was? Now, the miracles all show that he was God, absolutely. But it was that final miraculous, the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus that proves that he was who he said he was, that he was going to do what he said he was going to do, that he was God. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that over 500 people saw Jesus in the flesh after his death. It was an important form of proof, of evidence. William Lane Craig uh, does a great job of outlining this in, in his discussion. In fact, you can find it on YouTube, the debate, um, I think it's the case for the resurrection of Christ or, or something like that, where he outlines even, even in, um, in scholarly thinking these, these ways of saying, hey, even if you're not a Christian, you just look at the evidence even from the scripture itself and you don't believe, you don't have to believe the Bible is divinely inspired. Just look at the evidence that we see based upon other historical documents. Jesus's resurrection from the dead was proof that he was God. But his resurrection from the dead also highlights the reality that the flesh itself, the body, is not bad. And in fact, the body is part of who we are. There was another part of this Gnostic ideal that said, well, because the body is bad, um, and really it doesn't matter, that it, then it doesn't matter what we do to it. It doesn't matter if we sin in the body, we're not really sinning against our spirit because our spirit is the only thing that matters. Well, Paul it writes against that as well. And in 1 Corinthians 6, he takes that on. At that time, um, there were Corinthians who were engaging in, in behavior similar to perhaps if maybe from their past or engaging in what other cultures were doing, particularly then uh, there were what, no, what were known as temple prostitutes where uh, the various Greek gods had uh, these temples and you would go and sleep with a temple uh, prostitute as a form of sacrifice to that God. And so some were saying, well, it's okay to do that because my spirit is really what matters. My spirit is, a, is surrendered to Christ. My body, because the body doesn't matter, it, it, it doesn't really matter what I do to it. And Paul brings out this theological reflection about the importance of the body with this very fact, this very phrase. He says, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? And that word temple in the Greek is referencing the holy of holies in the original temple, the tabernacle, the habitation of God. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, if you do something bad, sinful to your body, in your body, you are actually harming your soul. You can't separate the body from the rest of the person. In Deuteronomy 6, there is the mandate to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. The Jewish concept 
of the person was of the whole person. And they understood what that meant to the extent even of not tattooing their bodies um, for, for other gods or cults. And just by the way, I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do tattoos or I'm not against tattoos. But in, in their mind, and especially because back in those days, you would tattoo yourselves with the names of the gods on your body and other types of things. And so they understood that that, that, that shaving the sides of their head, if they were men, that, that those things, even the sign of circumcision was this reality that their whole being was devoted, was dedicated to the Lord. And we see this repeated in the gospels. When Jesus also says that very thing, that we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Our entire body, our entire being, our entire person is to love God. This is one of the things that is important in understanding our soul and our spiritual formation, our soul formation, our Christian formation, our, our process of being transformed into the image of Christ. It involves our entire being. We cannot separate the body from the rest of us, just like we cannot separate our thoughts from our emotions, and we'll get into that in future, future episodes. We cannot separate our body from our spirit. We are integrated entire beings, persons, and all parts of us are part of that regenerative, redemptive, transformative process. Our bodies will eventually die to the point where there will not be anything that is pulsating life into it. But our body is, is very much connected with who we are as a person. You cannot disconnect the body from the rest of the person. Those of any of you who have, have had any type of illness and, and everybody has experienced some type of injury or some sensation of pain at some point understands this. Those who have dealt with chronic pain really understand this. And I experienced this especially several years ago uh, when I injured my, my neck. It was uh, my neck right around where my, it, it reaches into my shoulder. And I, I'm pretty active as far as exercising and, and even active, uh, active exercising like kick, kickboxing. I like to think of it as, as I'm, you know, I'm so short. I've got to find ways to defend myself. Um, so even if I can, even if I can just kind of swing my arms wildly and my legs wildly, you know, maybe that will protect me. But pretty active. So, you know, injuring myself at various things is not. I haven't had any major injuries, but I, every once in a while, sciatica or something like that. And so, but this was this was pretty bad. I somehow, I think I was lifting a big chair. Of course, it was during uh, setting up for church. I mean, that's just how where, you know, injuries happen, don't they? Or doing something with church. And I was lifting a huge chair and I think I felt something pop 
in my neck. I, I, it, the injury didn't come right away, but it was kind of like as the day wore on and then I woke up the next day, my neck was so, uh, just completely in spasm and pain. If you've ever had that where you can't even like turn your neck or you you know, you throw your back out and you can't hardly move your back, your body is just like pulsating in pain. That's what I was dealing with. And I, I immediately, as soon as I could, I went to my chiropractor and he, you know, great chiropractor, great, you know, whatever he does, he, you know, adjusted me, fixed it up. But it was, it was in such pain and the inflammation was so intense that it stuck around for a very long time. Even a week later, I'm still, uh, and I'm taking, you know, ibuprofen, Tylenol. I can't sleep. I can't get into a, a, a posture on, on, on the bed. Uh, lying down where I'm not in pain, every movement is in pain, and I can't, I can't get my neck to rest in such a way where I can actually sleep. And unfortunately, about a week after I injured my neck, one of my sisters passed away. It was sudden, unexpected, and it was completely devastating. Dealing with loss and grief right after a a pretty intense injury, it felt as if my whole body was in pain and grieving. I wasn't sleeping. I was, I was struggling to, to do the very things I needed to do every day, and yet every part of me felt like it was just incredibly uh, at a loss, at grieving and in pain. Both pains lingered for a long time, despite trying to heal my neck, despite going to the chiropractor, um, and despite trying to, to process through the grief, it was, it was becoming clear that it was becoming chronic. Over the next few months, I started to develop serious stomach issues. And by serious, I mean I've, I've had stomach issues off and on over the years, but this was something that wouldn't go away. And it didn't matter what I ate or what I drank. I mean, I changed my diet. I read up on everything. I, I did everything I possibly could. It, and I went from doctor to doctor who ran tests. They ran tests. They, um, they did an endoscopy at one point. Um, they, they did, you know, everything they could and they couldn't find, and then the pain spilled over into other areas and they couldn't find a connection between all of these areas of pain. I went to holistic doctors and we, you know, I just spent money on various whatever vitamins and supplements and, and again, changed my diet and again, went to other doctors and, and nobody could really help fix or resolve the issue and everything was just compounding into each other it was morphing all into this just mix of pain and grief of sadness of loss of physical pain emotional pain and it was like i couldn't get a handle on it it took 
about two years of trying to process through it, of trying to see doctors, of trying to work through it until I finally had an appointment with a specialist, a doctor, who happened to be a Christian. I didn't know that she was a Christian until later on, even after I'd stopped uh, needing to go to her. A friend who knew her told me that she was a Christian. I just knew that there was something different, that the way she approached my situation was different. And as she asked me, you know, when the various pains and the parts of my body started, she could see a pattern. She could link all of this back to and others had, you know, did anything happen, you know, various things. And, and the neck pain started before my sister passed, but then the stomach pain happened after, and I've done all of this. Nobody was able to really link it together in such, a, in such a unique way. But she, through this very just brief interaction and looking at all of the tests that they had run, she said, I think, I think we are dealing with, with with the loss of your sister compounded with the, with the injury to your neck that has grown into all of these other physical problems. And so she gave me some medication to help me to, to kind of uh, heal or, or at least uh, uh, feel some relief from the pain. And then she said, I'm going to send you to a pain management specialist. And this pain management specialist is also a psychologist. And she said, I, let's start with that because I think, this is, I think this is what we are dealing with. After looking at all of the tests and seeing everything coming back negative and, and just wondering when the pain was going to stop and everybody um, you know, at some point thinking, what, what is this? You know, why, why is this going on for so long? doesn't doesn't seem to um, nothing you do seems to change it it took just a few sessions with this pain management specialist and her description and helping me to understand pain and what happens in our body when our body is injured and and there are uh, and some of you may already know this but there are two kinds of, of really major uh, pain or major injuries. One is nociceptive and the other is neuropathic. Nociceptive pain is pain where there's actual tissue damage. And it can be chronic if there's, da if there's tissue damage that isn't, they aren't able to fix or heal. That could be, you know, cancer that's eating away at your tissues. Neuropathic pain involves the nervous system. And often with chronic pain, the pain or the injury itself has healed. In my case, the neck injury healed. There was, there was, uh, there was no disc uh, slippage as far as, as far as anybody knew. There was nothing that needed surgery, even, even sprains or tears sometimes. Uh, don't necessarily need uh, surgery, especially, uh, especially sprains, but tears don't necessarily need surgery. They just need to be, just need rest and they heal. So the tissues in my neck, whatever was injured, had healed and had healed on their own after a few months. 
but I was still getting messages of pain. My body was still telling me that I was in pain even though there was, there was no more injury there. Neuropathic, neuropathic pain, it becomes those pathways in the brain that become ingrained and can be reinforced. And that pain can reappear even though there's no injury present. And as I began to process that through, because of course, when you're dealing with any type of chronic pain, it can become very, very uh, cyclical and anxiety producing. You're afraid of the pain uh, uh, because you're afraid of what might possibly be there or what greater issue might be there that you're not aware of. There's an unknown. Is there something really bad that's in, wrong in my body as a result of this pain or is um, or will it ever go away? And so it can create all of these other uh, stress hormones and anxiety producing things. And that be can become not only reinforcing, but it can reemerge if there's some type of similar either injury or slight injury or fear. That pain pathway is still there and it can be reignited even though there's, there's no injury there. In my situation, as, as aware as I was of the interconnection between the emotions and the body, I was not able to either understand or accept that much of what was happening to me at that time was my body's response to grief and to loss. That yes, there was a neck injury early on, but probably within maybe even a few weeks or a month, that pain was, or that injury probably was healed. But I was in severe pain for months and months and months after that then turned into stomach pain and then turned into pain elsewhere. My body was absorbing and, and uh, was processing through the grief that I was struggling to process through. Our bodies cannot be disconnected, separated from our spirits, our emotions, our thoughts. Have you ever noticed when you're, you've got the flu or COVID or whatever it might be and you feel maybe a little bit depressed or a little bit irritable. In my situation, I usually find that I notice that I'm irritable or a little depressed first and then it's like, hey, wait, I don't feel good. Uh, my, my sinuses hurt or I've got a headache or yeah, I, that I, I kind of notice the emotion first and then I notice that I think I might be sick. My body might be trying to fight something off that we are interconnected beings and that it isn't just one part of our bodies or one part of our lives that are dealing with something. Our whole body deals with it. Our whole body goes through grief. Our whole body goes through spiritual formation. Our whole body experiences joy when there's genuine joy in life. Our whole body 
experiences loss and sadness when there is loss. All parts of our body are meant to, to go through that spiritual formation process. It's one of the reasons why things like fasting, despite the fact that that's my least favorite spiritual practice, why fasting is so important. We've typically thought of or referred to fasting as almost something that we do when we really want to get God to do what we want him to do. But that actually is not about that. Fasting is is not so that God can see how much we're willing to sacrifice for something. Fasting is a, is a way of, and it's not even so much about the disciplining of, of ourselves, although that is helpful. It's about something that we are doing in our body, something that we feel physically. And if you're anything like me, you get hangry when you're hungry, right? You get a little bit angry when you're hungry. It's something I'm feeling in my body and I'm definitely feeling it in my spirit when I don't have food, something is going off, right? Pain is there to let us know that something is wrong. Well, hunger is there to let us know that we are missing something. And when we are undergoing the process of fasting, whether it's for spiritual reasons or other reasons, but especially for spiritual reasons, we are calling our body to attention. And we are saying we are, we are trying to allow God to work in us as we are doing the only things that we can do physically. Paul tells us in Philippians 2, 12 through 13, that we are to continue to work out our salvation because it is God who works in us. He says, you work out as God works in. And the working out is not just our body, it's everything that we are able to do with intention. I am intentionally fasting to allow God to do what only he can do inside of me. I am intentionally going away in solitude and silence and putting my phone and my computer and everything else away that could distract me so that I can intentionally devote time for God to do in me what only he can do. All I can do is get away and be alone and attempt to focus. God has to do the rest. All I can do is put aside food for a time. All I can do is set aside time to intentionally engage God in conversation and meditate on his word. God has to do the rest. God has to take that time, that intentional time, that intentional effort, and he does the rest inside of us. Our body is really an important part of the spiritual formation process. It is not incidental. It is not, it is not something that we can ignore or put off. It is a part of this process. And in fact, it really is the way in which we, or primary way in which we work out 
so that God can work in. With my voice, I can read scripture and sing and talk to God. With my mind, I can focus on him. But with my, my actions, right, with my, with my lips, with my hands, with my, my uh, control over various parts of me, I can work out so that God can work in. Pain is the reminder or is the reality, the wake-up call that something is wrong. And there are other senses within our body that are also trying to tell us something about our spirit, our mind, our soul. What we hear, what we sense. And I love the passage of scripture in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit appears in the upper room with those people who were waiting in Jerusalem, anticipating this gift, the gift that Jesus promises in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And notice that in Acts 2, it's a very experiential, a sensing experience. They see, everybody in the upper room sees what appears to be tongues of fire on each other's head. They see it. Everybody hears what sounds like a roaring, rushing, mighty wind. Everybody then begins, begins to speak in other tongues. There's something I can see, there's something I can hear, and there's something that is involved in my body that my body is actually doing. Our bodies are meant to be part of the spiritual formation process. And the spiritual practices that we engage in, and there are so many, and really everything can be a spiritual practice if it is, well, not everything, but, you know, many things if it is intentionally devoted to engaging God so that he might engage within us. And our bodies are very important to that process. And paying attention and giving, giving thought to the interconnection between the body and our spirit and the body and our mind and our body and our emotions. Understanding that all of these things are working together and God is at work in all parts of it. He is at work in every part of our being drawing us near to him, calling us near to him, asking, inviting us to be part of that growing transformative process. He is inviting us to his rest, as he says in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my teaching. Take my teaching upon you, 
and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit. You will find rest for your souls. Jesus's way, the way of Jesus is a way of rest for our souls. It's a way of healing and transformation. And he invites us into that holistically, body, mind, emotions, spirit. As we continue to dive into some of these concepts and really the parts of us, all parts of us that are engaged in the spiritual formation process, and maybe just be thinking about how is my body engaged in that and how am I understanding and interacting with my body and its process of formation? What is my body attempting to tell me? Not in a weird way, we don't need to get weird, but in a way that just like pain is telling me that there's something wrong, what are, what are the parts of my body telling me and what are they telling me about my formation? Is my body reacting to stress? Is it overworked? And is it telling me that I need to find Sabbath and rest? Is my body telling me that I am focusing too much on giving it what it wants and not necessarily what it needs? And how is that affecting my spiritual, my soul formation? As we continue, I invite you into that, that dialogue and that journey and that reflection. And I invite you to dialogue with me and, and uh, engage me in this reflection as well. You're welcome to email me uh, at the Nefesh podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to interact with you and talk with you more about that and find how this is resonating in your own life, how it is seen and how you are uh, grappling with some of these things that all of us are struggling with. Well, thanks for listening to this episode, episode 15 on the body and the soul. And I uh, look forward to, to um, interacting with you, even though you're silent, I can't hear you, but interacting with you, allowing you to be a part of this journey next time. We'll talk to you then.